Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. Today, I am joined by Valerie Friedlander. Valerie is a certified life leadership coach specialized in helping highly motivated, social justice-oriented women create a life of impact and enjoyment. Clients have called her a little love vitamin for your soul, a mindset magician, and a motivational unicorn. Valerie can help you uncover your subconscious mindset blocks and create alignment between you, your goals, and how you achieve them. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. How are you today? I'm good. Trying to stay warm, but you know. <laughs> it is very chilly. It is. We it had is. Um, winter Winter came upon us this past weekend. It keeps coming and going in yes. little bits. I'm originally from Tennessee, from Nashville. And so while we've been here for about five years, this is, it's still, it's, not my favorite time of year. We'll okay. just put it that way. <laughs> what are Tennessee winters like? Um, we occasionally get a little bit of snow, but like mostly, at least while I was there, things have changed a lot recently. So uh, more in the, I would say like 40s, around 40, 30s, 40s typically. We don't get like negative sure. numbers or wind chills. Not like that's not a thing that nearly what we have here. Right. Yes, it does get very, very chilly. All right. So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So um, I'm a mom of two little boys. I have a almost nine-year-old and a five and a half-year-old. And um, we moved here to Chicago about five years ago for my husband's job. And I had worked in corporate for about, well most of my career in legal and corporate fields. And I would say corporate management for 10 years. And I, I built my life the way you were supposed to build it. Right. Like I followed the, I followed the the, rules, the the guidebook, all, all of the guidebooks. So I went to college, a liberal arts college, graduated with a degree in sociology and minor in theater honors student, all of that. And, um, then met a guy in college. We hit it off. Ended up getting married a little while, like yeah, two years after college. Fell into a corporate career, climbed the ladder. We bought a house in the suburbs. We uh, had two children. Like I had all the things, but the white picket fence, no white picket fence, but I did all the thing, all the right things. And I worked really hard to do that. I, I did a lot of self-work, uh, therapy, group support. Um, I didn't grow up with a, well, like most of us, I would say there were a lot of dysfunctional patterns in terms of relationships in my family. And I had the benefit of my parents both doing a lot of work to improve them. But what I initially learned as a small person were a lot of codependent connections. And um, so I watched my parents do that work. Then I had the opportunity to do that work for myself because I promptly repeated them because that's what brains do. Well, I think that's what we were kind of like wired to do. We didn't know there was another option. I mean, at least hopefully our young people now are learning there's other choices they can make for themselves. But I think, you know, historically there's been kind of one direction, one path that like good people follow, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a lot of societal rules and then Correct. there are generational rules mm-hmm. and family rules. Like a lot of... Um, you don't want to be the black sheep of the family. Like, yes. That sort of thing. Yes. Well, but also it, just implicit belief systems that we don't necessarily think to even question because it's just the way it is. Um, whether it's affirmed by our society or and or our family. And if they both go together, then it, it's even stronger, right? Um so doing all that work, I managed life really well. And I ma- like I was like, I'm choosing these these things. I This is what I want. I didn't question like, this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted because this is what you want to have a happy, successful life. And once I had and all a happy things, marriage and a happy marriage and happy children, and happy, happy, healthy children and right. all the things. Right. And at that point, when I had all the things, I didn't feel like I was a very happy person. Um, it was I felt actually, you know, kind of like, you know, when you're doing a puzzle and you have like all the pieces together and you put the last piece and everything kind of pops up out of place and you're like, what just happened? I thought that fit. Right. And, um, and it didn't, it didn't feel like it 
connected. And I was having the same arguments with my husband over and over again, building resentments, feeling like I was not doing a good enough job as a mom, not doing a good, good enough job as an employee, as a supervisor, as like anything. I just didn't feel good enough at all. And um, and so... So in 2015... <laughs> Um, I decided that I would, uh, look at other career options because that was the one thing I hadn't really intentionally chosen other than climbing a ladder and making good money. Um, so I started to look at what I wanted and I found coaching. Um, I did, I talked to a lot of people and that one came into my reality from a friend and I was like, that sounds like a great combination of, of all the things that I enjoy in corporate. I'm going to be a corporate coach. So what did that process look like? Did you kind of maintain your job and then get certified as a life coach? Yes. Did you just, you did? Yeah. You, yeah. Okay. I was, well, I thought, you know, it was going to be like a transition thing, like maybe masters in HR, right? I, I was good. I was still in corporate. Like it was not the idea of being an entrepreneur and going out on my own was not a thing. I, very risk adverse, like not doing that. Um, so it's going to be a transition from the kind of work that I was doing at that time as in corporate management um, into like more of the people oriented stuff and less of the financial things that I was doing. Um, when I went to my program, I realized that it was way more than I had thought. It wasn't about uh, mentorship or helping, like l helping people um, manage employees better, and just about communication. Which I had a lot of background. I'm a trained mediator and um, done a lot of like development work. But it was also there was a spiritual component to it that I didn't realize. There was a a piece of it where it was tapping into your own wisest self beyond all of the shoulds and all the stuff. And I realized at that point in that first bit of training, how much I had put myself into a box. Mm. It really brought to light all of the rules that I was playing by and all the subconscious things that I had been creating in my life that I didn't know. I just hadn't seen. And um, it made me realize that was what I had been looking for when I became a mom in relationship. It was kind of that key of... I didn't need to keep looking at what was wrong with me and what I was screwing up or how I might have been broken and fix it. It was how do I want to be me and actually choosing that. And then from there, choosing how I wanted to take steps and move in the world. Um, and I hadn't really thought of like it was all about fixing the past before and all of the work that I'd done and not how and do more I of move your forward. like therapy work. All of my therapy, yeah, therapy and and group support work. It was um, how do I manage life and and fix what had been what I the broken things. And did you have like did you have a spiritual upbringing? Did you have like a practice that you or was this something that you just kind of fell into when you started doing this work? So it it actually connected a lot of the spiritual work that I had done. So I I was raised um, a Quaker. So the Religious Society of Friends, and that's a it's very much about um, spiritual discernment and listening deeply to yourself and also corporately. And so that has been part of my life, like my whole life. And it connected that to a more tangible reality. So I knew about listening to other people and even listening to myself, but not necessarily how to apply that listening into action. So um, working with uh, clearness committees is what they're called in um, Quaker meetings, where you help people arrive at a clearness and by asking questions and helping that. So it was like it connected that to actual uh, a training around how to do that in a effective, powerful, fast way. Because Quakers don't work very quickly. We, my husband likes to call us like Ents, um, if you're familiar with Lord of the Rings. Like mm -hmm, they're the sure. trees that kind of, let's not be hasty. And like really, so when when they move, they move powerfully, but it takes a long time to move. So with coaching, it was like, how do you move faster? Right, we don't have all day here, people. <laughs> we, we only have one life. <laughs> it's not like this corporate body that's going to be there for eons. Um and that, and I also had a background. My dad studied Taoism, and um, my mom, with my mom, I participated in a Native American women's circle um, as a teenager and learned a lot of the 
the rituals of, of connection and looking for guides around you and, and seeing kind of messages beyond the, so, so more of the, what would often be considered like a wooey sort of space, but what the coach training did was help connect that to a, a tangible, almost scientific, well, I would, not even almost, a, a scientific like brain science understanding of how utilizing these tools can help you when you're doing it in a very conscious way, can help you bring things together so that you're shifting the way you think and act, which actually creates brain shifts so that you're moving forward more effectively and efficiently and energetically and enjoyably. Well, it's it, it's the it's the concept of like constant negative self-talk like mm -hmm. if you're going to keep doing that your brain has muscle memory and it's just going that's what it's going to train mm -hmm. itself to do yeah so it's like shifting shifting that a bit yes right? yeah yeah well the tapes the tapes that we play and mm -hmm. and you can there's taking contrary action like act as if you hear a lot of like, well, you're thinking negative. So like, just pretend you're not and do this other, you know, do this other thing. And that can be really hard to do. That can actually take longer. Whereas if you can actually drill in and understand where the thought's coming from, what's triggering the thought, what you would like to think instead versus just trying to negate it. Like instead of like the fake it till you make it type of mentality. Right. Yes. Yes. So if you can do both at once then you actually are shifting the connections, the synapses connections in your brain faster so that you're able to do it faster. Now, is it, is it fast? No, it's not. It's not fast. Um, most of my clients tend to see more sustainable shifts in a, about three months, which you know, relatively fast. is fast. But a lot of times, you know, in this society, we're all looking for like quick fixes and like, just give me the, give me the solution that will fix it right now. And it's not something like an Excedra migraine for like the yes. headache medicine for your <laughs> yes. migraines. And, yes. Yeah. For your life. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. But well, and that actually reminds me, I was listening to a Ted talk and, um, uh, it w the woman was talking about emotions and how she was saying like a lot of people have dead people's goals. You know, I want to be calm and peaceful and serene and, you know, like all of these like keep it even keel. And that's not the way life works. It's not meant to work like that. Part of uh, I do a lot of stuff around stress and, and managing stress, but it's it's not just not having stress. Um, I get on a bit of a soapbox about like the power of positivity and positive thinking because oftentimes it's used to beat ourselves up over not thinking positive. Oh, I'm going to attract negative things because I'm thinking negatively. I feel, but it's more of a feeling. It's not just I'm thinking negatively. It's I'm feeling yucky. Uh, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling disappointed. And those are valuable feelings. All feelings are valuable. And so all of those spaces have information and value and so it's thinking positive is not just about um thinking happy right right and being happy it's it's about looking for what you want rather than sitting staring at the problem it's seeking a solution well I have two kids too I have a, a an 11 year old daughter and a 13 year old son and they're very different children as children are oh, yes. um but my 11 year old always kind of, I think you know I, I struggle because I feel like she sets herself up for failure because she wants she has this like perfect expectation about what a day looks like and it's yes. like what does that mean to you like and and you're not going to go through the day without bad things not you know happening like bad things are going to happen to you like you're probably going to spill something or like someone might say something mean to you but does that like negate a perfect day you know so like struggling with her with that and then also my son is like you know, those motivational posters that you mm -hmm. people have in their office, like, you know, like the hang in there. He's, yep. He is one of those. Like everything is like today. Tomorrow's a new day or like, you know, <laughs> like everything. He, he's like, well, this happened. And it's like, that's OK. There's a bright side. You know, and you're just like, how do you like are you're like a total cliche. So, yeah, so it's really, really funny. But anyway, I don't guess yeah. on that. No, no, but. my my kids are very similar. I have one that's very resilient and like he'll he'll like have a blow up and then he's fine. Um, and the other one is much more emotional and, and picks up other people's emotions. We were just having a conversation. Uh, uh, he, he, he likes to wax eloquent about things. Like he gets an idea as a storyteller. And mm -hmm. so he'll just like, 
I need to share this thing and it like very long thing. But the, the core of what he was sharing with me um, recently was about how he was like, emotions are like, uh, like viruses. And so when somebody has a lot of, a lot of emotion and or, or they're big emotions, sometimes I catch them and then I feel it too. And so I was like, that's, that just means you're an empathic amazing. person. Yeah. Like I, well, I was also, cause I love analogies mm-hmm. and of course, you know, he's speaking my language. I'm like, this is what I help people with is this sort of thing. And here he is talking about it and making an analogy. I'm so proud. <laughs> you're my favorite Um, child today yeah (laughs) and uh but then we were talking about like uh developing an emotional immune system right like if we're gonna take that analogy and like move it forward and that's what I love about analogies is that it is a way to take something that you can hold in your brain like that that relates to something familiar and shift the way you think about it rather than just like don't think that right right so I what I tend to do is I like to take things out of the binary Right. Like if you talk about a good day or a bad day, what's a good day look like? Well, let's let's drill into that. And more than just good, like so often I'll have somebody else say good or um, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? What does that feel like? How are you engaging the world when you're having a good day? What's different for you? And when you can really drill in and get specific and that's where you can pull intentions from well when when I'm having a good day I'm showing up in the world like this I'm showing up with energy and a smile and I hold my body in this way like if we can bring the holistic experience in that's where that whole acting as if takes on a different like a more holistic approach so that it's not just acting as if because our brains and our bodies talk to each other so if you can go well this is what I feel like inside this is how my body uh, is different when I'm having a good day this is what I'm thinking about when I'm having a good day this is what I'm focused on when I'm having a good day this is what I do when I'm having a good day Um, then you can create a reminder for yourself to check in like oh I wake up on the wrong side of the bed well if I walk down the street and I smile at people even though I don't feel like smiling um then I start to feel I might feel a little silly at first but that even feeling silly helps me feel different than just like the whatever I feel like initially so it's kind of it's it's like a holistic acting as if it's so interesting like because people will smile at you on the, and if you're not expecting it or like, I'll be walking, like I'll be walking with, you know, either a friend or my child or something. They'll be like, that person just smiled at you. Do you know them? And it's like, no, like sometimes they just, sometimes people just smile yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, I, I always, uh, so I walk with my husband and and sons to the train because he takes them into school and we're walking down we'll see people that we usually see and we'll see some new people but I always have like the little song um is it from Mr. Rogers like these are the people in your neighborhood oh, Sesame sure. Street Sesame, Sesame Street. Street oh was, yeah and so I'm always thinking of that song I'm like that naturally also makes me smile so anything where you're shifting your focus so it's not just acting differently it's it's shifting your focus so that you're looking at what you want most of the time when people get on a call with me, that's the first, why are we talking, right? Like what got you to get on a call? Well, I feel stressed. I don't like how much I yell. I'm not doing the things that I said I wanted to do. I'm feeling really frustrated with myself or whatever. Usually there's a recognition that they're getting in their own way from what they want. Um, And so then we'll say, okay, so if those things weren't true, if you didn't have that stress or frustration or any of those things, what would you have? Because you don't have a, say in math, right? I like to say, let's put our science goggles on. Like in math, you don't have a mathematician go, I have negative three. I hate negative three. Negative three sucks. Who wants negative three? They're not going to say that. They're going to, what what number am I looking for? I I want 10. Okay. So I want 10. I have negative three. What do I need to add to negative three in order to get to 10? Maybe I don't have all the numbers, but I might have a little bit and I can add to that and then find the next amount and add to that. So it's a focus on where you want to go versus 
what you don't like. And that, that focus changes. That's where that positive thinking, it doesn't matter if you have negative three. It's okay. But we often beat ourselves up over having negative three. So that's one of the biggest shifts because once we know where you want to go, then we can build the path to getting there. I would just say, look at that guy over there because he's got a negative five. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you're in much better shape. (laughs) Yes, you could do that. But I I always, I always, comparisonitis is such a thing. I work with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and that looking at other people and moms, sorry, like looking at other people and going, judging my insides by other people's outsides, basically. And it's like, well, that, that's a, that can get me into a lot of trouble because then I, I look at maybe where someone who I have labeled successful and the way they look and what they have, uh, how much money they make or how much money I think they make, how good their Instagram account looks, you know, whatever it is. And well, I don't have that. I'm overwhelmed by the idea of achieving that. And now I can't do it because overwhelm is in action. It's a like when you feel overwhelmed, the natural response to that is to not take action and kind of get stuck in your head and kind of spin around. Um, so are you, a, are you, do you post a lot on Facebook or Instagram? Are you one of those people that like shows your truth or your lies on, on social media? Yeah. <laughs> social media is such a funky place to be in. Um, I actually, I did start my business online. Uh, I started my business about four years ago and we'd only been here for a year. So I didn't really know that much about the city. So it felt safer to start online. And I also, I, I followed one of the, uh, uh, one of the, the common pitfalls of starting a business is especially coming from corporate and corporate, there are a lot of rules, right? So I, when I was used to following rules, I followed the rules in my life. You know, I came from a corporate space where you go in and you're like, okay, what are the rules? How do I play by the rules so that I am successful? Because if you play well by the rules, you find the ladder and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I came out having found what I felt like I was really called to do. Like, as I mentioned, the coaching pulled in all the components that I, in in my toolkit, all the things that I really resonated with that I picked up along the way, um, in, in terms of awareness and spirituality and, uh, tangible action and all uh, people and everything. It just, it was a perfect fit for me. But when it came to the, the risk and my stress response, stepping out into this unknown space, I was like, well, I only have so much time and so much money. So I need to find the right way to do this quickly. And if you'll notice those lack mindset, lack mindset, and the rules, the right way, right? If there's a right way, then there's a wrong way. I don't want the wrong way. So we have a binary, which puts blinders on, and you can't really see a big picture when you and that's have how a you binary. Get stuck. And that's how you get stuck. So I found somebody to show me the right way to do business. It was her right way. It wasn't my right way. But I followed the rules. <laughs> and after a year of following the rules, I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I was like, oh, I only have so much time and so much money. So I've got to get this right this time. Wait a second. I said this a year ago. So I'm definitely less money. And it's been more time. But if I said this a year ago and it clearly wasn't true then, it's probably not true now. And so that sent me on a new journey of actually using the tools that I had learned for And that <laughs> you were trying training. to like bestow upon others. <laughs> right. Well, the nice thing with coaching is I don't have to be the expert. I just have to be the expert in the process. Um, I can't possibly be an expert of somebody else's life uh, because I'm not them. So when I'm the expert in the process and I'm able to help people connect dots and see what I'm seeing. So see what they're saying through my eyes and ask them questions and help them get curious. It takes blinders off. It's a lot easier to do that for other people than it is for yourself because you're in your own box. Um, and that's where it struggles with like family and friends will jump into the box with you and be like, Oh, if you just move this and if you just do that and they'll tell you what to do. So I don't, I don't coach the stuff. I coach the person looking at the stuff. Do you recommend that family and friends come into your box? (laughs) 
It all depends. <laughs> I don't recommend it. But I don't if think you, my box is if big enough. Uh, <laughs> generally speaking, it, it can it can make things confusing. It can make things confusing, but it depends. Um, it depends on your relationship with them. But uh, that's actually so. At the end of that, that's actually when I hired my own life coach and went, okay, I need. I'm clearly getting in my own way, and I I want to see things differently I want support in this transition because I I just followed the the patterns because brains like patterns I mean that we're naturally wired to find patterns and recreate patterns because that's part of our brain mechanism to keep us safe so to shift that it does take some outside help so the woman that I worked with you put, well, me. first you put an ad in Craigslist, <laughs> life coach seeking life coach. <laughs> actually, there are plenty of, that's actually a big thing in our, uh, in the coaching world is coaches, coaching coaches. Um, but so I worked with her and that helped me start to step outside of some of the places where I had limited myself. So I did build, build an online business. Um, and I continued that, but I started stepping into more of the local spaces and doing more. So now I, I run workshops and I connect with people in person more. And I love that. I mean, I'm an extrovert. So that that actually was like, how do you create an alignment between who you are and what you do and how you do what you do? And when that alignment is there, then it's it's easier and not to say that it doesn't take effort, but it's easier to have that effort move you forward. So let's move on on to, you know, talking about some of your services, right? So you still do the online, you have the one-on-ones, you have the DIY flow program. Can you talk all about that? Sure. So, um, I started with one-to-one work and I love that. I so also, how does that, how does that work? So if I have a problem and I call you and I'm going to do this one-on-one, uh-huh. what's that, what's that process like? So usually, um, I always have people start with an assessment that helps them see the lens that they're perceiving the world through. So that's actually before I even work with someone, I want them to do that assessment because it helps us know about how much time it's going to take for us to do the work. Like, what your goals are, where you want to go. And maybe where you want to go is understanding and getting clarity around where you want to go. But whatever it is, when we do this assessment, I call it a mindset assessment. It's technical term. It's official name is energy leadership index assessment. It's been recognized by Forbes as one of the best tests to help you understand your strengths and weaknesses. And um, it was developed by my coach training program. It helps you understand the lens that you perceive the world through. So like I mentioned about patterns in your brain, our brains base everything off of past experiences and even uh, historical, like uh, generational experiences, the way we connect the dots of whether we perceive someone coming up to our doorstep as a threat, a potential burglar or a potential friend, what triggers... Solicitor. Right, a solicitor. Um, but you know, you'll, you, you know how dogs will bark at the door. Like there's a, someone might come in and break into your house, whether it's the delivery man with bones, they'd be like, yay bones, or whether it is a burglar, like it doesn't matter the act the the trigger of someone stepping onto the doorstep sets off the dog. Right. So we have responses like that that happen in our subconscious. They totally bypass our frontal cortex and they go straight to our limbic system, firing off hormones that give us a experience of life, uh, an emotion that informs how we engage and how we engage determines what we get back. This is subjective. A lot of times we think of it, this is just my personality. This is just the way it is. This is the way I am. A lot of times it's not. It's, it's the way you're being because of the way your brain is putting things into buckets and making connections. So this assessment helps us see what's going on there both when life's going as it normally does for you and under stress. So when you can see those patterns, you can interrupt them. It's really hard to break a chain you can't see, right? So when you can see the patterns that are helping you and the ones that are holding you back, then you can use the ones that are helping you to minimize the ones that are holding you back. So once I see what those dynamics are, it kind of gives us a sense that paired with what you want to accomplish how much time might we need to really get the ball rolling or, you know, if you want a more robust sustainability, um, 
like somebody walking with you to help you navigate the obstacles that come up, then that tells us about how much time. So I usually, once we do that, we work, I work with people, um, anywhere between a month to three months intensively. One month gets momentum. Three months tends to get, uh, usually there's like momentum that happens the first month and the second month life starts to happen and, and we start recreating patterns and things pop up and then there can be this kind of experience of things falling like, oh, I'm not doing it. What like happened? A little bit of regression. Right? Just, yeah, regression. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> um, and then you move from there on up into a more sustainable space. My goal is always that you don't need me. That as we engage the goals that you have to shift, that you are learning as you do that how to do that with the next thing. So from there, sometimes people will uh, stick with a, a maintenance kind of support. So we're meeting once a month, either in a group or one-to-one just to check in and make sure that things are moving the way you want them to. And that's usually about the way, um, the way one-to-one works. Groups are very similar, except it's a group format. So my groups usually are about three months of support and then you get the benefits of other women walking or women identifying people um, walking with you as you do the work. So you have their accountability, support and encouragement and also like validation and acknowledgement of, hey, I'm not alone. Because so often what one person is talking about, the other person is like, oh, that was exactly what I was needing to hear or the way I needed to look at it that I didn't even realize. So it's, it's a powerful space. And that's where my DIY program developed from, was doing those groups and seeing some of the patterns and what was helpful. I put together videos and then exercises that I developed while working with these women and put them together in a course format for people who wanted to get some support and weren't ready necessarily to commit to uh, sort of like coaching. working working at home instead of at going to the gym. Yes, like, exactly. Okay, exactly. So it's it's videos and exercises that help you explore deeply what what your process is. So usually it's around the vision that you have, who you want to be in the world, your values, your rules, your you perception. Um, and then into some of the obstacles of the inner critic, emotions, and being able then to you know change the rules that you have. A lot of rules such as like, well, I'm not a morning person, or uh, I have to work hard to make money, or a- any number of, of things that we believe about ourselves. So uncovering those and shifting those and creating ways ways to tangibly shift them both in thought and action and then setting boundaries and developing healthy habits to support that vision so that you're going it's more of a journey than once once you do these things you reach the end you win you graduate it's engaging a process well and and you know you yourself are you're always changing so you know three years from now you may be stuck in a different way than you were when you you know tried to correct whatever was going on for you in the past yes exactly and that's actually so I call it um create your flow uh flow is stands for full life ownership because ultimately it's about being able to fully own your life making choices and owning your power one of the biggest places that I see people hand over their power is with choice and also their emotional space you made me feel this way or this this caused this in me we don't have a reaction to things that don't resonate with us for some reason like nobody can push a button you don't have so if you've been triggered yeah okay it's not to say that somebody didn't do something that wasn't nice or whatever but if it got to you, there's something about it that resonates. And when you can own that, then you have power over it. And you can choose how you want to engage that person versus just, 
defaulting into the reaction, the fight or flight mode, you can show up differently in a more productive way to create something different. And the way you respond is, you know, you're not all flight or all freeze or all, you know, in each situation that triggers you. Like, I'm definitely, if someone cuts me off on the road, like, I'm a fighter. Like, I would want to rip you out of your car. Like, but that's, that's me. But for other things, like, I'll totally clam up and freeze. Like, they, you know, my prefrontal cortex shuts down and I'm just like a mute. So it's always different. And you just kind of have to recognize where you are at Mm -hmm. when the situation arrives. So yes, exactly. And that's one of the benefits with the assessment is what you can see what you tend to do and where your brain tends to go. Um, It's a lot easier within the car situation because there's no confrontation, like no actual confrontation. I mean, unless you really make it happen. Unless you really make it happen. And then you have a lot of fires. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's, um, it's helpful because when you can see that pattern for yourself, not only can you then take the understanding of emotions and, you know, all the emotional intelligence components, but you can know what your typical pattern is. And there's a framework that helps you engage. So, oh, I'm in level one right now. What would I do differently if it were, if I were in level three, right? So it, it gives you something tangible to, engage and when you can ask a question it's like taking that step back and being able to see so like if you're standing right next to a wall it doesn't matter how big the wall is if you're right in, it's like right in front of your face it's either turn around and go back or break it down your fight or flight whereas if you can recognize okay this is a wall what what might be different if I took us one step backwards and you take one step backwards, and you realize, oh, it's actually a column. It's not even a wall. <laughs> like I could break it down. Maybe it needs to come down. But, you know, oh, I could go around it. I could climb over it. I could. Hey, actually, this direction over there looks way cooler to go anyway, because you gave yourself more options. Sure. Paint the wall. Paint the wall. You mm-hmm. could paint the wall. Mm-hmm. You could you know, embrace the wall. What, but anytime you can give yourself more options, then you have access to more choice. And when you have access to more choice, you're able to engage more consciously and create something. And then it's all about, it's all about, again, the science goggles, right? Question, get curious, make a choice, what you want to do with it, create a container for the experiment you want to do. And then test the experiment and see what happens. If you can be curious about it, then you can take that information and go, okay, what worked? What didn't? I'm going to take what worked and I'm going to build on that and I'm going to do this with what didn't. But if you don't take the time to choose an experiment, you know, if you don't take the time to actually create a framework for it and then engage it by taking action and then assess it, we usually just feel overwhelmed by it, feel upset by it, feel hurt by it, and want to get away from it. I'll give you a silly, silly example. But when <laughs> I was younger, I used to have the hardest time ordering pizza over the phone, uh-huh. which is so silly, right? But I used to, I was always afraid that they would say no. And like, why would they say, like, why would they say no? And so it took me a long time to like, like, they're not going to say no. And if they do say no like you could probably just call it different dominoes like mm-hmm. at that point but yeah for the longest time like it took me to like shift my thinking on what was going to happen if I I asked for that and I also noticed about myself too that I I had a hard time ordering myself a pizza but mm-hmm. if you were like can you order me a pizza I could totally order you a pizza yes. like because it wasn't had wasn't tied to me it was your pizza so yeah, yeah. no that totally makes yeah. sense it, it absolutely any you know any of those sorts of dynamics absolutely makes sense based on what you've experienced in your life there's we all most of us have a fear of rejection Mm -hmm. it depends on the level of that fear of rejection and what that is tied to we we spend a lot of time trying to figure out why I want to understand if I could just understand why then I would do it differently that's not always the case sometimes we can understand why and it doesn't matter we'll still do the same thing again sure but if you can identify that pattern like you just did of, well, in this 
scenario, it's easy. And in this scenario, it's not. So what could I try to help me do it differently? So like, what if I pretend that I'm ordering for somebody else or invite somebody over so that I can order, right? Like you can create experiments to see what would shift and or pretend to be something. So it's creating that experiment and then seeing, well, did it work? How did I feel when I did that? What feels different when I do it this way versus when I do it that way? And it's not about an understanding why. It's just understanding the pattern or, or identifying the pattern so you can engage it differently. Well, let's talk about your workshops. What kind of workshops do you offer for folks? And, and can per- people participate in your workshops and not necessarily have hired you as a life coach or be a part of your DIY program? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I do a workshop called Retrain Your Brain. And that one is a regular one that I'll do that helps you understand the framework that you can utilize to start making shifts, both in terms of the action and also the awareness. And uh, that one I've done several times. Then I have some workshops that kind of follow from that where we take the three components of retraining your brain and can dig in in a more creative way. I have, uh, I love collaborations. It's one of my favorite things. So I have a couple workshops coming up for the Valentine's Day timeframe where I'm working with a sex and intimacy coach on helping people reboot and revitalize their relationship and looking at dynamics, both lies that we have internalized typically as uh, married couples and re- Uh, not reframing them, but like helping you understand the basis for them, identifying the dynamics that they're causing, and then giving tools for communication and engaging them differently within the relationship. And then I have another one that I'm working on planning right now, which is all about setting intentions and chocolate. So we are going to be taking the concept of setting intentions, helping, uh, it's going to be like a ladies night out sort of thing. So, um, creating your intention and then rolling them into truffles and taking taking them into our body so like tying concept into a ritual and then into tangible how do you take this forward sort of action and so I I do workshops because I think they're a really fun way to get a piece of what you're looking for in making shifts and how would you say your work as a life coach differs from, say, um, you know, more traditional, you know, psychodynamic therapy and all of that sort of thing? That's a great question. And it's one that I get a lot. So I appreciate that you asked it. Um, What I see, there's a lot of crossover, I would say, especially now. Um, There are a lot more therapy modalities that are in the forward focused. I have found that a lot of times it's it, the clinical component makes it a lot more problem focused. Let's understand and fix the problem. I look at it, as I mentioned, in terms of let's identify the pattern of what you're currently doing and take different action. So I don't diagnose. I am not an expert in you or the way your brain is working. What I do know is enough to help validate what's going on and and what you're seeing in a pattern and help you explore how you want to shift it and take different action. So it's it's not past focused at all what I do. We don't dig into that. It might come up occasionally, especially around inner critic stuff and um, imposter syndrome, expert syndrome type things, but it's not necessary to dig into that. It's all about let's look for solutions and take action. And when that, you know, when issues sort of present themselves that are maybe kind of beyond your scope, do you kind of defer people to continue absolutely work with you? And also maybe you should seek yes. a therapist for, for this. I have a number of clients that work with me and with a therapist at the same time um, because that gives them additional and I'm I'm a big fan of of having a team of support. Like I think that's really important and it's something that we lack a lot in our society is having a community where we we feel connected and supported. So 
I think it's in some ways unfortunate that we have to put so much effort into creating that. At the same time, I think it's really important that we do. So uh, if someone doesn't have that kind of support and it seems like they need to do that kind of work, someone who uh, therapy or even energy work to release emotional stuff that's stuck. I look at emotions as emotions, energy in motion. So sometimes we hold on to that and we don't process through it and it just kind of wreaks havoc in our bodies. So you'd recommend like so Reiki? I or- might re- recommend Reiki. or it, it, So it really depends on what's going on. I My goal would be to help someone discern the support that they want and then make uh, a goal of, of taking action and help them stay accountable to what they say they want. So my big thing is I'm here to hold your agenda and help you stay accountable to that agenda. And you touched on your workshop kind of involving um, couples and and intimacy, but do you ever kind of bring in kind of a partner or a spouse of someone into the life coaching arena if kind of relationships are causing some of the issues or do you just primarily focus on the individual and then kind of discuss those kind of relational changes that they're experiencing? So it depends. Um, I have worked with couples before. Typically when I'm working with somebody, I'm just working with that person. However, what I will do on occasion is if someone wants their spouse to take the energy leadership index assessment, we'll do that as a couple so that they can see what's going on within their relationship. Because energy leadership, it's about how you lead your life, but also how you impact other people. And a lot of times the the same arguments that people are having and the ways that the stresses that the, they'll build on each other or have a feedback loop. So I'll give you an example of like, if say, um, my husband comes home and I've been home all day because I work from home. I wanted to get to the dishes, but there's a sink full of dishes and I didn't. He comes in and he looks at the dishes and he goes, dishes. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've been working really hard all day. You never notice all the other things that I do. You only notice the one thing that I didn't get, you know, and I took it personally and naturally, you know, then I attack back, right? So it triggered my fight response. That's going to likely trigger his fight response of, you know, every time I come home, it's it's always picking on me and saying I'm doing things wrong. And I had a really long day. And like now we have this argument. Our stress responses play together. Fight response usually returns either fight back or, yeah, I, I'm wrong. Fine. You know what? That's your problem. I'm just going to go away. Right? Like shut down mode. Um, so how many times do you try and have a conversation about something and the response you get is just, shut down. Okay. I screwed up. You know, I'm always wrong. So whatever. Yeah, you're right. Meanwhile, the dishes right? are like, why does everyone hate the, me? Why does everyone, like, what's wrong with why me? Does, why do I cause <laughs> so many fights? Like, yes. Um, but when you can, and then we get into a habit of stress, his stress coming home naturally goes up because it's triggered of like, every time I walk in the door, I get attacked. Therefore I'm ready to fight back is coming up to the door. And so even if I didn't say anything, he naturally is in fight mode, right? Because that's that's the train. We've trained each other to do that. So um, when you can see the patterns, then we'll have a, we'll, so we'll do those individually. And then we'll have a call together where we talk about how this may be playing out in your relationship and how you can use this awareness to support each other better. Because if I know, okay, this is that dynamic, um, he tends to spiral in this way, then if I, yeah, it sounds like you had, he goes, oh, dishes. I'm like, sounds like you had a long day too. I did as well. So like, how do you want to handle this? And now it's more, it's a totally different dynamic. Um, when you can understand those patterns and you can choose, well, what would happen if I showed up with a, a level five of, you know, we both win or we don't play. Maybe it's, we hire somebody to do the dishes. We train the children to do the dishes. You know, like you can find solutions, but when you're in that fight mode, you can't find solutions. So with a couple, 
we can identify how the, their patterns are playing together. And I've done this with business partners too, actually. Um, I mean, we've got dishes here. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying Team Andersonville. Doesn't ever. I saw this great cartoon once, um, which was uh, it was a dad who did all the, but like one dish. And then he turned the lights out and he turned it back on. And there were all these dishes. And he goes, I knew it. They breed in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I feel that way about laundry too. Um well, it is endless. It totally Let's just, in the dark. Like, it, yeah. everything is endless all the time. So, yeah. like, you can either, like, have a good, you know, try and have a positive attitude or, like, it'll just eat you alive all yeah. the time. The the laundry, the dishes, everything, especially, like, the technology that we have today, everything is nonstop. And, you know, you have to create that space and rest, you know, for rest. So Exactly. Yeah. Which is why that first part of identifying what you want is so important because if you don't know, I want to be want, a dead person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the life of a dead person. I want to be calm. I want to be calm and serene and serene and peaceful and still. And you, you can actually have that in pieces, just not like right and not be dead and not be and not have it be permanent. Yeah, stress stress is necessary for growth. It's just how much stress you have in your life and how you're utilizing it. Whether you're utilizing the stress effectively to move yourself forward or whether it's, it's breaking you down because there's too much. Well, I'm curious, Valerie, to, to know how you have grown kind of since you've started your own business in 2015 and how, you know, how, how, yeah, how you have evolved as a person, how you've changed, you know, as a partner and a mother and, you know, a person in the world. So much, <laughs> so much. Um, the first changes were really stemming from doing my training program um, because of the framework and the awareness of what was those dynamics and and having a, a way of looking at it differently and identifying the patterns. I was able to show up in a different way with my family. So I didn't feel like I was failing at everything. I had recently gotten a, a a boss who was she had me in tears multiple times a week um which was another part of the I feel like the universe going okay time to go <laughs> um but I handled it better even though I was in tears multiple times a week I was able to go okay this is what the dynamic is this is where it's tr I'm getting triggered what do I want to do with it and I was able to show up to it feeling much more aligned and authentic and true to myself in those interactions. So I, I didn't, I wasn't then beating myself up over letting myself be walked on, um, but not doing it in a way where I was fighting. Um, so that was the first big step. I mean, the next one was deciding, okay, I am going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to put myself out there and then going, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I need help. Um, looking for help in the way that I was used to looking for help, which was show me the rules. Um, and, and working really hard in a different way. It's put a lot of strain on my marriage because my husband is also risk averse and he is not an entrepreneur. So dealing, navigating finances and having conversations about that, the life of an entrepreneur really, and, and looking at money in a very different way than I had previously. Like, there's just not stability there. And it's a lot of growing and trying new things and throwing spaghetti at the wall and, and having, you know, this sense of like, I'm throwing money down, I'm just flushing it away. Um, and getting to look at a lot of the, the stuff that I was raised with, uh, the fear of financial insecurity was a major block for, for me doing much, uh, putting myself out there before. So having those conversations about being at choice and what it means to be at choice, it's so much easier to blame other people and say, well, you know, my boss is making me work over the holidays, therefore, versus saying, I actually really enjoy my work and I choose to do this and have family go, but you're, I feel like you're, um, choosing work over me and like having getting triggered by by that and having to you know they were much more willing to accept me working when I had to because somebody else was in charge versus me saying I'm choosing to um 
So being well, able it, to stand into that and own those choices. Sure. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like you can get out of something if you're sick, but if you just like don't want to go, you yeah. know, it's a totally different story, yeah. right? Like you have to have like this external excuse, you know, reason behind not wanting to do something or, or wanting to do something. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it is easier when, when that's, you can blame something else for it uh, versus, so it really challenged me to say, to really check in with myself of how, what, how do I want to show up and what's important to me and stand in, stand in my own values and express them and communicate well and clearly. Um, also training my husband, like when I get excited about something, it doesn't necessarily mean I got paid because <laughs> I'd get really excited about something. He's like, cool. So you've made money. And I'm like, no, I'm just really excited about it. Why did you have to bring up money? Because I thought that they went hand in hand. No. And then I'm like, okay, so I made some money. And he's like, uh, yay, you know, I'm like, well, no, but that doesn't, that, I mean, that's great, but it's about sustainability, not about like credibility or, or anything like that. So it was, it's been a very interesting major self-discovery. I don't think I would have survived uh, the past four years as an entrepreneur if I wasn't doing the work that I'm doing both for myself as well as with my clients. Like I said, I work with a lot of entrepreneurial moms in particular. And so asking them questions and helping them find solutions and their ahas, I'm often like, ooh, that's good. I should write that down. I'm like, I'm going to check that out because we are very similar. All of us have a lot of commonalities, more commonalities than we realize. Um, so it's, I would say I'm a lot more aware. Um, I'm a lot more curious. And I think that's helpful with my kids too, because like I said, you know, I mentioned my son and the conversation about emotions. We've also had some, some conversations about like allowing them to be creative and find solutions instead of it's always my solution. I, I encourage them to have solutions too. So my, my son had a meltdown uh, leaving the playground one day, just total like on the ground tantrum. And the next day he wanted to play on the playground and I said, okay, so yesterday was horrible and I didn't have fun. You didn't have fun. And this was just terrible. Uh, I don't want to do that again. Um, so what could we do differently so that we have a more pleasant getting home? And he thought for a minute, he goes, well, what does that look like for you, mom? And I was Hilarious. like, Oh, uh, so I told him and then he was like, okay, well, I think if we tried setting a timer so that it did, I knew that it was objective. He didn't use that word, but that was essentially what he meant. That it wasn't mom just saying it was time to go, but that the timer actually said it was time to go. And it worked. Um, so being able to empower, help them be powerful in their life. Um, I always have funkiness with the word empower because you can't empower somebody. You, they you know, that's their power. Um, it's giving them the space to own it. And, uh, and then with my husband, uh, the other day he got really upset because the boys went out the door and the door was left open and he wasn't ready to leave yet. He was just like really annoyed and stressed out about it. And I was like, well, how, how important is this that, that they went out? And he's like, well, my values are threatened because I care about the environment and, you know, we're letting all this hot air out and cold air in and, and also our, you know, finances in terms of like the, the hot, you know, air heater that we're using and stuff. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you. You're identifying why you're upset is based in these values. Now, now that you've identified that you're, you're almost ready to go out. Like how much are those really, is this really threatening those values? Right. Like <laughs> let's like, bring some math in here. Not like really that much. I'm like, okay, so now but we have a habit of stress in the morning that we're working on shifting. Um, so no, if you're used to being stressed in certain periods of time, it, even if you do things differently, you often will create that stress just because your brain's used to being stressed. It's like, why am I, why am I not stressed? Right. Yeah. I'm stressed because yeah. I'm not stressed. I must be missing something. Right. right. Like, um, 
So I, I find that with all of this work, it's helped me show up more true to myself while allowing the people around me to be more true to themselves and have their own their life as much as I'm owning my life. And together we're able to come up with more creative solutions. So it's, it's really cool. It doesn't always work that easily. We still definitely have our own. But when it does, you're, stuff. but you when it does, it's it. really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of creativity and maybe something that's not so common mm-hmm. amongst mothers, certainly myself is you're a face painter. I am. Okay. I am. So talk about that. Okay. So, uh, in my work as a coach and a business owner, it's the the shifts happen much longer. Like that that sense of achievement is a takes a lot longer to achieve. And I our block party needed a face painter a few years ago, and I was like, eh, I'll do that. I come from a theater background as well, and I've done a little bit of theater makeup type stuff, and did the Renaissance Festival for five years, and like. I'm a big nerd in general. Um, And I was like, oh, I'll do that. That sounds like fun. And I did it and I really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. And I had this great sense of accomplishment and being like, I, I painted a face, I got a smile and then they went away. And it was like, I could just be really present, do something creative and have an immediate sense of accomplishment while learning something new. And so I was like, I want to do more of that. So I started like getting paints and I was like, oh, this is, this is an expensive hobby. I always pick expensive hobbies. My mother's always said I have very expensive taste. You take me into a store and I will, I will automatically gravitate towards the most expensive thing. Not intentionally. I just do. Anyway, um, I, I feel like sometimes that's the case with hobbies. Coloring would be less expensive, but, uh, so I started, I get a you know, professional grade paints because I think that's as a mom, a non-toxic professional face paints, um, meant for skin, not acrylic paints. Don't use acrylic paints. They say non-toxic, but that doesn't mean they're meant for skin. So, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, just as a mom, that was important that, that I, I show up as a professional, even though I'm still learning the art, uh, and I started offering it and I was like, well, you know, I do need to get paid for this because this is kind of an expensive hobby. So I turned it into a side hustle and it's a, it's been a wonderful compliment to the coaching in being holistically me and honoring all the different components of me. It, it almost energizes the other areas of my life they, they all feed each other sure because could you imagine like if you didn't have if you had those creative impulses and had didn't have an outlet for them what that would kind of do to you psychologically and internally so. exactly well and that's one of the exercises that I'll often do with clients or in a workshop is uh, have people write down their five top five values what the things that are most important to them and then the top five things that they do during in their day or in their week you know like what do you spend the most time on and now match them anywhere that you don't have a match either a value that's not being honored or a thing that you're doing that isn't honoring a value you're draining energy it's really important to give yourself space to honor those values. And sometimes it's just thinking about it differently. But if you aren't naturally doing that, you're exhausting yourself doing something that really doesn't connect to you and who you are and or ignoring something about yourself that really needs nurturing. So this is part of that for me of making sure that I'm, I'm nurturing my whole self. And where does your love of lattes fit into all of this? <laughs> Everywhere. Um, <laughs> yes. Do I, they make your, do, does having a latte make your morning less stressful? You know, so I, I typically actually make a cafe au lait at home. I have a little uh, budget friendly. frother, budget friendly. Um, my sister just got me a, a thing that will allow me to make lattes, though. I'm still learning how to use it, but. But when That's you do, exciting. you can paint my face and make me a latte. And make you a latte, yes, exactly. I'm so excited. All then and uh, paint unicorns on your face because that's 
my other thing i i love unicorns i've always loved unicorns my husband had to adjust to the massive amount of I, I shouldn't that's a little extreme I suppose but I have a lot I like of envisioning unicorns. like <laughs> I open your door and it's like <laughs> all the unicorns are jump like out coming alive at me yeah no no I thought no, it was one of a kind but they're <laughs> no. not because you have a million I of them I have a million of them no uh you know they're, they're just they have a shelf and it's not too much but can you get them to do the to, dishes that would be magical that would be magical <laughs> Truly. <laughs> well, now we've reached our point in our show when we ask our guests which Andersonville business they would like to trade places with for a day. Ooh. So what do you think? Where would you like to be for a day mm. and why? That is a very good question. Um, I I think I, I would enjoy trading places with Hamburger Mary's. Okay. Because they have so much fun. And I love the dresses and the music and the singing. I'm all about karaoke. And so. So you were you, you'd I, be I would like a be server. A, I think I would want to be a server. Or, yeah. Upstairs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just you, to work there for a while. I think that would be a lot of fun. That would be amazing. Do you have a favorite song? I mean, I'm not going to make you oh. sing it, but do you have like a go-to karaoke? People have a go-to, go-to karaoke, karaoke song. Yeah, I don't, but. You know, I like to, I, so true true to form, um, so <laughs> It's My Life by Bon Jovi. I really enjoy singing that. There are a few other ones that I wish that I could do karaoke, but they never have the music for. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I just, I really, I love singing. I have a background in that too, so like. It's fine. You're like, whatever. Give I it to me. Like just, Christina Aguilera. Yeah, I can do it. No problem. <laughs> like Stevie Wonder. Done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'll just, I'll do all of them. Okay. So you can you, be on um, the other half of my duet. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. I, I've been called upon uh, one of the conferences that I went to. We, there was so karaoke see. and it was uh, w- one of the other ladies wanted to do um the Lion King, uh, I just I just can't wait to be king. Sure. And so she's like, but I don't sing. So I'm going to do uh, the, oh gosh, what's the bird's name? Zazu. Zazu. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to do Zazu and you need to be uh, Simba. And I was like, okay. <laughs> she's okay. like, I just really want to do this song. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll probably ask you to sing that Don't Go Breaking My Heart. The, there you go. The, the Kiki Dean and Elton John. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a good one. Sounds good. All right. It's a date. Well, thank you, Valerie, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Valerie, please visit ValerieFreelander.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at Andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at Andersonville.org. 